I had uh, preached about the importance of hope the last two Sundays and the importance of the church being the ones that carry hope to a world that seems to feel like they're doomed. We have the answer. We have the answer to a doomed society, a doomed uh, people. Uh, I had mentioned uh, that when some of the letters that were written, uh, Christians at that day and time were being persecuted, were being killed. Um, and uh, they were, uh, Natalie was saying, I didn't know the Colosseum was was even mentioned in the, in the New Testament. And I said, it wasn't. You know, there are other history books that were written. Nero was about 650 A.D., uh, the um, I said, have you ever heard of the saying, uh, Nero fiddled as Rome burned? And uh, I said, Nero was a crazy man. You could even say he was demon-possessed, which he was. <laughs> uh, these were leaders that uh, had no regard for God. Uh, there was a, a time in history that um, Jesus wasn't the only, Jesus and the two um, thieves weren't the only ones that hung on crosses. Uh, there was a time that uh, the road was lined with people on crosses. That was the, it would be like in this day and age, like uh, the road from here to Odessa lined with electric chairs with people still in them. Uh, that was their form of execution for the crimes that they committed. And the reason that it was such a public statement was a deterrent you don't do crime in this town. And so it was a crime to be a Christian. And so, therefore, they would hang Christians on crosses. In fact, Peter was crucified upside down because he said, I am not worthy to be crucified as my Lord was. So he was crucified upside down. Um, there were countless ways that the Jewish people uh, executed their own, uh, and that is recorded in the New Testament in the book of Acts where Stephen was stoned, and stoned was not picking up a little pebble and throwing them. It was throwing them off a cliff and then 
taking big rocks and then throwing them on top of them and making sure that they didn't walk away. And if you, if you recall, they were going to stone Jesus one time, and they had taken Jesus to the very, uh, to the very edge of the cliff, and Jesus, now, these people were murderous, had murderous intent to kill Jesus. And Jesus stopped them and said, it's not my time. And he turned around and he walked straight through them and said, okay, fun's over, stop it. <laughs> he didn't say it that way, but he just told them, you're not going to kill me right now. He knew he was going to die at some point, but this wasn't it. So um, understand the Christians have been persecuted for a long, long time. And we enjoy freedom in Christianity uh and I'm, I'm talking we can enjoy it even more and to take our freedom to be able to speak publicly uh, of our joy in Christ, of our, uh, of our experience with Jesus openly. Um, have you ever wondered why... Uh, I don't have a, a, a big stick here anywhere, but... Have you ever wondered where the fish came as a Christian symbol? Uh, what would happen is uh, if uh, two people met on the road, uh, one person would sit and would draw a little semicircle. And if the other person was a Christian, they would draw another semicircle which would create a fish. And that way they knew one another as Christians. So that's how the fish emblem became a mark as to, oh, we're brothers in, in Christianity. We are both covered by the blood of Christ. So, you know, you mark that as... Uh, hey, he's one of us. And so that was one of the, the ways that uh, they looked out for one another. Now, consider that Paul was one of those people, well, at that point he was Saul, Saul, was one of those people that was rounding up Christians and killing them. And he was he was killing Christians and he was seen as a very prominent Jewish uh, person who like, Yay Saul, go get him. You're their guy. And so he was uh he he was Elevated and uh, revered as someone who was good at what he did. And so when God 
uh, struck him down off his pony or uh, donkey, whatever it was, and said, why do you prick against the goads? And saved him. Saul, all of a sudden, he became Paul. Now had to change his whole course. Can you imagine from going in one direction, killing, maiming, with a murderous heart, killing families, to turning totally in an opposite direction and loving his brethren in Christ. That's a transformation of heart and mind and everything that he stood for. From this part of him thinking that he was doing what was right by God, he felt he was doing God a service by killing Christians because Jesus was not the Messiah. Jesus was uh, an apostate. Jesus was someone who was uh, speaking against God to turning and saying, no, Jesus is someone whom we love. Jesus is someone who we should worship. Jesus is someone who we should talk about and we should spread the gospel of Jesus. Let me tell you, I'm sure that it tweaked his little little ever-loving mind. And so, now you're talking about him. Think about what it did to those survivors of the families that who he had killed their relatives. So here I have a brother who was a Christian and he had converted me and now Saul comes and he kills my brother because he's a Christian. He's one of those hanging on the road on a cross and now Saul who now is Paul, and now he's going, come to church. This is a trick. You're trying to trick me. You're trying to get me into this surrounding, and now you're going to try to kill me. He's going, I don't think so. He had to have some kind of endorsement to be able to to preach the gospel. What kind of endorsement did he have to have? He had to live by the Spirit. He couldn't do it by the flesh. He had been doing all of this killing and destroying, destroying families, killing people by the flesh. He had to now live by the Spirit so that he would be endorsed by God. And what do you think that took? He had to be endorsed by God because he lived the word that God had given him that he was going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That in itself was a huge turnaround in his thinking. Now, today, that was all introduction. Wow. Today I want to talk to you about 
if we have hope in God that puts upon us an obligation. It puts upon us a, a thing that we need to be that God says, look, you guys carry, you guys are carriers of my hope for this world. And I, now, I don't mean to blow it up out of proportion, but for your world. What do I mean by your world? I mean by your sphere. You, Sharon has a sphere. Everybody that's around her, everybody that she knows, she has a, a, a sense of influence, of, and it goes out so far. And everybody that's included in that sphere, she has a world in that sphere. Now, in that sphere... She has this world that she is said, that God has said, go out and teach and preach God or Jesus in that world. Okay? So when I say your world, that's what I'm talking about. Everybody has one. She has one. It's all the way around her. She has one all around her. Everybody got one, okay? I'm not talking about you need to go to China. <laughs> I'm not talking about you need to go to Africa. I'm just telling you, everybody has a world that's around them, a sense of it, a, a part of an influence in their space. Now, God says you need to do this. And today I'm going to tell you your first step. This is your first step. It is not only the first step, it's the most important step. And it's called intercession. It's called you need to be in prayer. You need to take those people that you have an influence in and pray for them. A few years ago, the Lord swept in this place and He gave us this word. He said, prayer is not the least you can do. It's the most you can do. Because when we talk to people, a lot of times that's what we say. The least I can do for you is pray. No, it's not. Prayer is not the least you can do. Prayer is the most you can do. Because if prayer is the least you can do, what you're actually saying is, my prayers really don't amount to anything. They're just words that have come out of my mouth. But if it's the most you can do, you're petitioning the Most High God who is able to influence every part of your world into doing something that can affect that person's world I am saying that I believe that when I speak I am going to do something that's going to affect you that's going to move you out of high center or going to move you into a position where God is going to influence that place in your life where the outcome is going to be toward 
His glory into your better outcome. That's what I believe is going to happen. I'm not just saying, oh God, just bless them. I believe that we're praying with strength. I believe that we're interceding for God to do and bring forth the truth of God's heart to whatever I'm praying for. What is His heart for America, for Texas, for Crane, for my family, for my wife, for my children? What is God's heart for them? I don't want my heart. My heart is feeble. My heart sometimes fails. I don't want failure. I want success. And so what I need is God's heart. Turn to Ezekiel 22, verse 23 through 31. Now, all of us have read and have read probably a lot of times in the past few months, Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will hear, heal their land. Now, this is a, this Ezekiel 22, 23, and through 31, is a little harsher of the same coin, but it's kind of really the same thing. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, now he's talking about the people, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls, they have taken the treasure and precious things, and they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. And they have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from the Sabbath. They have hid their eyes. Am I in the wrong place? No, I'm in the right place. I started farther up from... 23. Yeah. Her pre I got to tell them where they did wrong. <laughs> Her priests have violated my law and profaned my my holy things, and they have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, the one day to worship God alone, and they hid their eyes from the Sabbath. 
means they didn't go to church. It means they didn't worship at the temple. It means they didn't care about God's day. He only asked for one. And they hid their eyes from him. And I am profaned among them. Her princess in the midst thereof and all wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have dubbed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining, divining eyes unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when Lord hath not spoken. They used God as their own agents. They said, Thus saith the Lord, when God didn't even say that. They said, I'm going to manipulate the people by thus saith God. And God's going, I didn't say that. You're trying to get them to do what you want them to do, not what I want them to do. And so these people were scared because they used the name of God for their own purposes. Beware. <laughs> Beware. We need to be people who discern. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. How sad. You see, that's what I think a large part of the purpose of this church is. He says, I look for someone to stand in the gap. I think it's Da Vinci. You may correct me if I'm wrong. He wrote, he, he painted that picture where I think it's Moses. It's kind of leaning back and he got his hand up, and you see another hand coming down and touching his hand. God's looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's looking for somebody to, to be a representative of Him. Someone to say, someone talk in my name and really use the authority that I have given them. Not very... One vow, not one constant. But to represent me. That's what I want. Just represent me. That's his desire. I'm looking for a man. But in this particular instance, he said, I found none. Therefore, I have poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Now, this Ezekiel 22, he's saying this, to them. 
God has shown tremendous, tremendous, let me repeat, tremendous amount of patience and mercy upon us. But it's still a place where we, as a people, need to say, here am I, Lord. I'll be someone who stands in the gap. I'll be someone who prays. I'll be someone who intercedes for our country. I'll be someone who intercedes for my family. I'll be the one who intercedes for my friend. I'll be the one who intercedes for the one that you put on my heart to intercede for. I'll be, I'll be that one. I can do that. By knowledge of the Word, by the, by the leading of your Spirit, I, I, Lord, will reach your hand to pray. And what? will move mountains. We'll move what you say for me to move. Consider Jesus. Consider Him. Consider that... Do you believe Jesus could heal anybody He wanted? But yet He says in His Word, I could not perform miracles there because of lack of faith. He could have gone. Be healed, 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 be healed. He could have done that, but He didn't. Why? Because He needed people to believe in Him. He needed people to be part of the mix. We are part of the formula of Him working on this earth. Could he have a bunch of zombies over here who just puppets? Yay, God. Yay, God. He could. There's no doubt about that, but he desires a heart that wants to worship him and glorify him. He wants that. He wants hearts that love him and work at his bidding. That is intercession. That we stand in the gap and say, Here, my Lord, what do you want me to pray for them? I'll show you some examples that through the years I've picked up some, some prayers, honest prayers that I thought, Wow, I'm going to incorporate that into my prayer life. Some that were really marked me. I've preached the last two Sundays that our rest and our peace come from hope in God. Well, how do we do that when all we do is look at Here we stand. We stand between God and sometimes awful circumstances. We stand, but sometimes we're looking like this. 
and we we pray like this. God help those poor people. Oh my gosh, look at where they're at. Look at what's happening in them. Look look at the cancer that they have. Look at look at the sickness that they have. All right. Instead, we should be looking at we should be doing it this way or maybe even this way. Look at the greatness of who you are. Look at what your word says about sickness. Look at the look at who you are and the magnificence of who God is. This is nothing. This is nothing compared to who you are. My faith is that you are able to conquer that. Because my faith is focused on His greatness, not on their circumstance or my circumstance or the world's circumstance or my state, or my community. It's focused on the greatness of God. So, how do we do that? Well, we read, we pray, we meditate, and we repeat. It's like shampoo. We get it wet, we apply, we wash, and then we repeat. First we read Psalms 119, 104-106 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it. And I will keep thy righteous judgments. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Have you ever been in a situation where I just don't understand what's going on? Let me tell you what, the Word of God will give you understanding. It will give you understanding not only through the things that, that you have. How can this Word, being so old, have been written so long ago, can still speak to my current situation. But it does. It really, really does. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. He's giving you a promise. He's going to direct your path. He's going to direct where you're going. A lot of people question, am I going the right way? Am I doing the right thing? Am I? And, you, and they're looking for counsel. It's through prayer. It's through reading. It's through prayer and it's through meditation. God will show you. Why? Because you're too important to leave you on your own. You are too important. Let me tell you that. I will tell you that right now. I want you to believe it for the rest of your life. You are too important to leave on your own. And He's not going to do it. He wants 
to help you with your life and direct you in your path. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. That from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished or equipped unto all good works. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be a good Christian. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's right there in the Word of God. I, I don't know how to stop. Yeah, you do. It's right there in the Word of God. I'm telling you, pray, read the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. There's, a, there's an absolute shift in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit with the Word of God. When you get into it, when God, when God grabs a hold of you, pray. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. That's an easy one to memorize, isn't it? Pray without ceasing. It means don't stop. Pray all the time. Pray, 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 pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. After this manner, therefore pray you, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Or, thy will be done in crane as it is in heaven. Had a little sign. My daughter gave this to me for for Christmas. In crane, as it is in heaven. I'd like for y'all to pray that each and every day. I want y'all to pray that the will of God be done in crane, as it is in heaven. Not my will. Not Jimmy's will. Not Ecclesia's will, but God's will. That God's will be done in Crane. Well, what is that will? Read the book and you'll find that will. Part of his will is that he, he wills that every man be saved and come to the knowledge of God. Another part of his will, he, his will is that all men Come to maturity in Christ. What part of His will is that all of that encompasses that we, what? Treat one another. Be good to one another. Love one another. 
be unto one another as Christ would want us to be to one another. That is the will of God. Let it be in cream as it is in heaven. Wow. Can you imagine that? Let's try. Let's start there. Let's 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 go there. That we as Christians pray in the will of God. Mm. Here's I, I told you a while ago. Sometimes I pick up on people praying and go, wow, I'm going to incorporate that into my prayer. Uh, Mark 11, 23 through 24. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. A guy came up to me one time, and he said, uh, I have a real problem with that scripture. Okay. I said, for one thing, when someone wants to argue Scripture with me, first of all, I tell them, you really don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. I didn't write it. God did. The other thing is, he said, well, okay. He said, you're telling me that if I looked at King Mountain and I told King Mountain to move out of there, it should move out of there. I said, no, I didn't. I'm not saying that's what God is saying. I'm saying if God wanted King Mountain to move, be moved out of there and he asked you to pray for that, then I think God would have a way to get that done. I believe there would be a contract made, I believe that bulldozers would come, and I think Keegan Mountain would maybe disappear in six months. And all of a sudden you'd be going, where'd King Mountain go? But however God chooses to do it, I believe a tornado could come and take out King Mountain. However God chose to do it, that'd be God's business, not mine. The issue is, I believe God. Now, go, okay, well, I buy that. Well, thank you, sir, that you believe God. Jimmy was, we were, we were praying here for somebody, and I don't remember who it was, and I don't remember what it was about. But I remember Jimmy saying this phrase. He says, and we pray believing. 
it was like a brick hit me upside the head. And I said, not only is he quoting Scripture, but he's praying Scripture. And he's praying that we are making a statement here of faith saying we pray believing that what we are praying is coming to pass. God is going to move on behalf of this person to be healed. It stirred my faith. It stirred my faith to be able to use that same phrase and say, God, I pray believing because when I do, it stirs my faith again. To pray believing God will do what He says He will do. Why? Because He says He will do it. He says He will. Now, I've told you I come from the Christian church. And I'll just tell you, there were a lot of things that were done at the Christian church that seemed to be a little impotent, a little lackluster, a little short of power. And sometimes they would come and they would, they would pray like this. God, if it's your will, Lord, just make him better. <laughs> make him better. Heal the man. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for touchdown. I'm going to go for it all. God, do your will, as your word says. To do the will of God. Heal him. That's what I believe. I don't believe his will. I don't believe my will. I believe God's will. See the difference? My will is feeble. God's will is perfect. I would always rest on His will. Pray believing. Pray to make a difference. Like I was telling you all ago. James 5. Jimmy's going to be doing a series on the book of James. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What do you think that the breakdown is? Well, could be the confession part. You think? Confess your faults one to another? You don't need to know my business. And pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There was a man who was dying. That was part of this little scenario. There was a man that was dying, and he had called the elders. 
And uh, we were in his bedroom. And we were all around his bed. He wasn't conscious. And uh, the guy who was leading prayer brought up this scripture. And he looked at all the elders and he says, if any of you elders have any sins to confess, you need to do it right now because this man hangs in the balance. You should have seen all of us. We were going, well, it ain't going to be me. <laughs> I'm telling you. We were like, ah. <laughs> you should have given us some time to prepare. <laughs> You're telling me that this man's life hangs on the balance whether I confess this or not? It brought a whole new light to what happened. I don't know if that was a good application of this scripture or not. But boy, I tell you what, he put us all on the spot. How much do we want answer to prayer? How much? Like our life depends on it? But we have a helper. Praise God. Romans chapter 8, 25 through 27. But if we hope for what we see not, then we do have patience. Wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for as uh, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And that's a... Because if I don't know what to pray, I have the Holy Spirit to come, and he intercedes for me, and he brings intercession for me, and he tells God, man, this is what what he really means. He does the same for you. Don't feel frustrated. Make the attempt. That is a step of faith on your part. Go to the Lord and He makes steps for you to enter into what we showed before, the Holy of Holies, to intercede for you. I said meditate. This will be the final scripture, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God 
look at the outcome. And the God of peace shall be with you. All of this comes about is that we walk in peace with God. Hope, peace, trust, loving God, and God loving us. Know that God is doing his part and gives us and equips us to do our part. Amen. You know, every Sunday uh, I go up and do the upload of the audio and and uh, even after sitting here and paying close attention to everything that goes on, sometimes I say, and I ask Tom, what's, what was the, you know, the, the core message in, uh, to give it a title, you know, when I upload it? Today I think I'll put, because we have hope, we have a responsibility. That was good. It was a good exhortation for us. Um, and... Uh, uh, there are a couple of things, uh, you know, like talking about the painting he brought up uh, with the hand of God. and uh, I know people who, after they hear someone preach, no matter who it is, all they have to say about it is what they heard that was wrong <laughs> or out of, you know, misstated or, you know, some error or something they didn't get or didn't agree with, you know. And they have filtered out all the truth. And cl- they are clinging to, well, what about, why do you say that? What about that? You know, and, and he, he made a mistake about that. And, and every time I get up here, anybody gets up here, uh, we are fallible human beings, and we will make mistakes. Let us give ourselves to the truth part of what is Presented any time someone offers their, their uh, themselves in the work, uh, but I'll just say it's Michelangelo, and it's the creation of Adam is the painting he was talking about. And uh, earlier, I think you meant to say 65 A.D. and says 650 A.D. for Nero. Uh, easy things, but for those people out on the internet or those people in the room who would cling to something like that, there you go. Look it up. Okay. Arthur missed that. But how about all the rest of the rich stuff? How about we have a hope so we have a responsibility? Set aside the details and uh, errors. I hope you do that for me. <laughs> when I'm up here, this <laughs> even this morning, I was like, I was missing about every third word in, some of the, in the first song. It's like, and I could give you my excuse because I went to bed at 4.30 this morning <laughs> after a trip back from Dallas. But I laughed at myself and I thought, it reminded me one time we were singing this song. I don't remember the name of the song. It was, uh, But one of the phrases in the song is, uh, it, does it say Jesus or, I think it says Jesus has, has been victorious or Jesus has won or anyway. It's all about Jesus winning. And I sang very loudly and out, you know, Satan has won. 
And one man in particular never let me forget that particular mistake. It, because it was really out loud and like, it's like, what do you do? You can't take it back. <laughs> you live with it for the rest of your life, apparently. I don't see that man very often anymore, so, you know, it's only occasional for my turn. Anyway. And one other thing he said uh, that reminded me of a conversation I had with a man who used to uh, assemble with us here. He had kind of gone through this rough time of in his faith and and had kind of stepped back from more uh, kind of leadership in, in the church, not necessarily this one, but where he had been. And we were talking one night, and I said, uh, God won't leave you on the sideline. And he said, how do you know that? I said, because God doesn't prepare somebody and not use them. And that goes for everybody in this room. What a silly thing to think that God would, you know, because in 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 the earth, <laughs> and let's just say in football, you guys that have experienced that, I did not. <laughs> I just watch it. So I know how it works. All the best guys are on the field, and the rest who want to be on the field are not. They're just on the sideline. They're on the bench. That's where I lived in seventh grade basketball, on the bench, until we were 30 points ahead or behind, either way. <laughs> That's the only time I got in the basketball game because I was this tall in seventh grade, okay? No, I was maybe because that, my growth spurt was like here. Yes. <laughs> that was it. All right. But we see in the earth how people are treated. No, you're really good at this, and you're going to get to play. Well, sorry, Jimmy. Sit right over here. Sit right over here. And watch the good guys. You'll never be that good. But just so, just sit there. God is not that way. He is not that way. He prepares us and he uses us if we are willing. You don't have to say, put me in the game, coach. Coach will put you in the game. And then you say, what do I do now? <laughs> and you trust in him that he has prepared you and given you all you need for life and God in this and the work he's given for you in the moment. You know, he's, he's, he's such a faithful God. Anyway, he won't leave you on the sideline. Okay. That's all I had uh, and, you know, I'm able to bring that stuff up and, and say that, you know, say those things about mistakes or whatever because, you know, Arthur Arthur and I have lived together for a long time, you know. Coming on 30 years. Isn't that amazing? How did we put up with each other for nearly 30 years? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, two vastly, vastly different uh, sets of gifts and backgrounds, and yet here we are. Uh, and I know it's for purpose. Anything else before we go? We did have a, at least one or two online. Eric got called out this morning. I think he was listening on the way to Mentone, <laughs> Pecus, one or the other, and. Uh, 
and then Stacy was on. So if you're still on, Stacy, good to see, uh, see your name pop up there. And uh, she also said, I think she said something like, I hope all of you have a great, blessed week. And so I'll pass that along to you. Anything? Angela went with him? I, knew, I thought Rick and Bruce were going, is last I heard. But Angela went. Oh, okay. So, anyway, I, I'm glad to know that's where she is, but uh, going to take plants to Florida. <laughs> like they don't have enough there. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, they'll bring sand back with them. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, there is reason for the trip, but that's just like really cactus. Yeah, you know, no, no, that would make sense, but no, <laughs> no. Angela just has a bunch of plants that she wants her mom to take care of while they're uh, they're actually going to uh, downsize and and be in this period of uh, not having a place to put all those. So anyway, <laughs> so keep them in your prayer. They'll be back, I guess, here pretty quick today, maybe. And uh, Catherine wasn't well. She's uh, developed bronchitis, and so pray for her. Don't know about the rest. We don't see today. All right, y'all have a great week.